Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the text for this morning comes from that gospel reading. Complacency kills. One of the most sorrow-filled times as a chaplain in Iraq was seeing how soldiers who begun to become complacent weren't checking their weapons as they should, weren't keeping things where they ought to be kept, were not paying attention to warnings and precautions, would get injured and some, in fact more, were killed by complacency than necessarily the bad guys. Now we think complacency in that kind of an environment, well, that makes sense. But there is no difference between that environment there and surprisingly enough, the complacency that has already infected you and me as we drive home down 35. Not thinking in terms of people merging in and leaving and cutting across. The complacency that we have as we try to make our shift from one lane to the other and merge onto that interstate. Not being aware of when someone might run out in front of us, a biker or maybe a walker. There's no difference between the two areas. Complacency still does kill. And complacency is a part of the gospel reading. Because having heard Pastor read that, you and I are tempted to become complacent because we say that kind of a situation where a boy is writhing about, foaming at the mouth, rigid as almost dead, because of demonic possession, why, that doesn't happen. And you're right. Unarguably, it doesn't happen that often. But the complacency is that we forget the most common form of demonic possession. Unbelief. Unbelief is the most common form of demonic possession that's all around us. And we meet it in people who are very kind and polite. We listen to it from the television screen and read it from magazines, seeming innocuous almost, and yet it is the constant grip that Satan is present. But we get lulled into this sense that it, well, it won't affect me like the soldier who's not clearing his weapon properly before bringing it in to a building on the post. The same thing happens. I thought I had cleared the weapon as it fired off into the clearing barrel. We forget how serious things really are around us. And one other place, we forget to admit regularly how serious this is, that which beats within our bosom, that which from come all evil thoughts and desires. When Jesus speaks through the Apostle James, 
and talks about teachers being judged with strictness, he is not only referring to those who stood in the front of our classroom when we were growing up or who may be standing in front of the classroom right now. For all of us here are teachers of the faith by word and by deed. As parents or as friends, we have taught with our actions. But more importantly, according to this text, we have unfortunately taught a great deal by our words. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord as we have just been doing with hymns, psalms. And with it, we curse the people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Have you heard this one? I'm just telling you how I feel. Raw honesty. We pat ourselves on the back with such honesty because at least we're getting our feelings out. But with such honesty, it's not so much a matter of what we say, but of how we say it. I just want to let you know how I feel in regard to this matter. Or maybe the other one. Keep it in, keep it in, keep it in. I'm not going to say anything. I want to look like I have everything in control. Keep it in, keep it in. And then we vomit it all over somebody or several people. And the carnage and scars left in the wake of our vomit of emotion and our tongue at work. Damage has been done. Either way, all of us can remember such words spoken from our teachers of the faith, our own parents. And isn't it fascinating that even as we grow older, we still remember those hurtful words and we're unable to completely remove them from our mind, expunging them from our memory. Oh, how I wish it could be, because as a parent, as many of you are, we have heard those words flow from our lips on upon the very children that we're supposed to be teaching the faith. And they too will grow old with such words etched very firmly and indelibly in their mind. Yes, that very organ within our mouth that God has given us, given us that gift to praise Him with words that we have not invented, but that He has laid upon our lips, is the same tongue that has said such things to our husbands and to our wives. And most of the people who have received the cursing of our tongue aren't so much the people that we don't know and don't really care what they think. They're mostly received by people we do know and love dearly. Aren't they?
It is the tongue of the disciples that got them into trouble this morning. They're arguing with the Pharisees and the scribes. And the reason that they're arguing with the Pharisees and the scribes is because their pride has been hurt. They were unable to bring healing to the father's child, the one in this text, who brought his son to the disciples that they might heal him of this demon. And they were unable. And being unable, then the scribes pounced on that. And you know there was conversation saying, oh, so you follow Jesus. How come if you follow Jesus, you're not able to heal this man's son? You must not be a true believer. You must not have enough faith. And thus the argument ensued. And you and I know whenever an argument does ensue, the words that flow from our mouths, ungodly are they indeed because they're pushed out by our pride being wounded. Yeah, that pride, what a work of art that is within us, isn't it? And in the middle of the squabble, the disciples were looking not to Christ from where their help would come. Where did their thoughts and feelings and emotions and eyesight go to but their own wounded pride? Turned in upon themselves, were they? So turned in that they didn't even see the very answer. And they let that tongue wag. And boy, did it wag. You and I can try as we might, but that very organ with which we bless the Lord is the same organ with, with which we have caused a great amount of damage in our life and in others. Empty promises, unfulfilled, disappointment and hurts. Notice the tongue. Notice the tongue of the one spoken of in the Old Testament reading. Of course, the one referred to in the Old Testament is Christ. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word Him who is weary. Morning by morning He awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear. This is Christ the my. I, Christ, was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike. I gave my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. And what is disgrace but words spoken? And where does spit come from but the very mouth of which we speak? But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. This is Christ's perfect faith in the Father as he strode toward the cross, 
with the words that have been indelibly imprinted in your mind of misspoken words. The words indelibly imprinted in your mind of words spoken to you did He carry with Him as He approached the cross for which He died gladly. And all we can do is cry out in great humility and repentance like that Father. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. If, Jesus asked him, you remember, all things are possible to him who believes. And like that, Father, you and I do believe. That's why we are here. That's why that law crushes us. That's why we can remember those words that we spoke and have heard. And that's why we have only one help. And rather than focusing upon ourselves, he drives us to the very meal that feeds such broken hearts. Here is where I have chosen to bring myself to you, the one who did not turn backward, but faced those who accused him and the spit that came with it. Here I have chosen to feed you that which dispels doubts about your faith of which you and I struggle at times, because out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing, and we're God's children? Here is where He has promised, and here alone, to feed such doubts and troubles that gurgle within here as we ruminate. Oh, that doggone rumination! which causes us to second-guess and reflect upon things that have been said, things that we have said. Did it get misunderstood? Is it going to be taken wrongly? What do we have to come to God but those words of the Father? Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And He feeds you. And He brings relief to such doubt and struggle. And he applies balm to those scars that you bear and that you have wrought upon others. And forgiveness is yours, sweet and pure. Drink deep at this well. Imbibe greatly at this feast that you may know such peace and that you may be released of such demonic oppression. Because when we speak as such, it is not God the Holy Spirit, is it? It is the one with whom we have become complacent, who has lit a fire our very flesh. And here is the water that has put it out again. Come and be quenched. I believe, Lord. Help thou my unbelief. And it is so. And the child who was thought dead was raised. And you and me who think ourselves dead at times have been and will be raised this morning in the name of the one who feeds us himself, Christ Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds on Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.